0: 80 for you, 20 for me. <laughs> Starting off the way it generally does, huh? That's a nice tip before it even begins. <laughs> yeah. He's a nice guy. He looks like a nice guy. That's
1: too. right. That's right. How's your day going? It's
0: pretty good. 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 on yours. It's okay. Good. Standing out of trouble, are you? I'm trying. Oh, there you uh, go. We'll see much how much fun, how. Huh? It's <laughs> early yet. <laughs> Maybe I'll sit here and watch you win some pots. There you go. Bring me some luck, huh? I'll try. Hey, Bill. <laughs> What's the minimum? What's the minimum? 100? Oh, you got No minimum Hey, it's Seeking Plum. Okay, so my previous episode didn't make it out to the masses. So if you are catching up, I am now in Las Vegas, and I've been here a little over a week. And if you've been here, you know it's a noisy city. There are not many places to record that are even faintly, faintly quiet. So right now, you may hear traffic in the background. You may hear the AC, a fan, any number of noises come up. And for that, I apologize. But there you have it. Interspersed between segments in episodes over the coming weeks, you're going to hear sounds, you're going to hear conversations, you're going to hear a variety of things that I've recorded throughout the time I've already been here and in the weeks ahead. You may hear, I've been up and down Fremont Street in downtown Las Vegas, so there are the sounds of music, buskers, people selling things or creating things, doing their art. I've heard conversations where I've sat with people waiting for cash games to start I've had uh, walking up and down the halls at the Rio where the World Series of Poker is happening. I've been at various casinos. I've now lost count of where I've been at so far. Each day is sort of a blur. I can't remember even what day it is right now, but uh, I'm I'm attempting to stay awake and with the daylight hours at the moment, (laughs) but we'll see where things go from there. In the meantime, I often have a lot of time on my hands where I am thinking and pondering. So that leads us into today's topic. A few weeks back, I started reading the book Sophie's World. And at this point, the philosopher is writing to Sophie about Sophis and Socrates and their views on right and wrong. So, Sophists believed that right and wrong varied from one city-state to another, from one generation to the next, and that it sort of flowed. So, I sort of see that as even flowing from one culture to the next, one country to the next, one era to the next, etc. And Socrates, he believed in the existence of eternal and absolute rules for right and wrong by using common sense, which he believed was eternal and immutable. So somehow or another, human reasoning was the tool we could use to come out with right and wrong, which I'm not quite sure how he came to this conclusion. It's like the only place I get to see same-sex couples holding hands. I just don't see that at home and it makes me happy. But let me step back a little bit, because I think that there are different ways of looking at right and wrong, right? Because we have laws, but I think that those are put in place so that we have a functioning society. Without those, there would be a bit of chaos. And then there is right and wrong within the context of faith or religion. And that's more with the purpose of living a, quote, pure or righteous way of living, and then and then there's this other sort of right and wrong. Uh, I believe Aristotle referred to it as ethics. So depending on what the topic is, like what the right or wrong is, I can see the sophist view, and then there's other times when I can see Socrates' view. If it's a law, let's say, when it pertains to something like theft or murder or, you know, assault or something like that, I could see that we use human reasoning to determine whether it's right or wrong. And there are a lot of grayscale decisions there. So it's not completely, easily right or wrong. There's a determination of whether it's right in this instance or wrong in that instance. You know, you you have to work through it. So yes, I could see human reasoning working in those instances. When right and wrong, though, is handed out or handed to you by a faith or a religion, this gets a little stickier to me because it also depends on the, the culture you're in, the, the society or the group that you're in, the faith that you're in. But I do think that there is some flow in that. If you just look at Christianity, for instance, you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, to some extent, you're looking at two different faiths between the Old Testament and the New Testament, but if you attempt to mash them together to create something new, there is, there were differences and wrongs in the Old Testament than there were in the New Testament you know you couldn't eat certain foods in the old testament where in the new testament it's not there's not the same focused there's if you look at in some faiths with respect to the modesty of women what is determined modest and what isn't in some women should have a burqa on, and others, you should just wear a long skirt and have three-quarter length sleeves. You know, there's there are these differences, but some of that has changed because there were times when a burqa was not necessary. There were times when um, maybe longer dress than the skirt and the three-quarter length sleeves were necessary. It all depends. I think there's, like, it depends on how... I think there's several factors, but interpretation... You know how things are seen, perceived, worked through and and you could say reasoned, reasoned in that perspective, which leads me to the next point. to say that, from Socrates' perspective, reason is eternal and immutable. this I have a hard time with, because we could each we could have ten people in the room. We could be given, sent to different parts of the room, given a topic, and say, reason your way through this this question to a solution. And we're probably, many of us, going to reason our way differently. We may come up with the same answer, but it's almost like a subjective experience, right? We're not going to take the same path. It's not like mathematics. Mathematics, there's often... If not always one path to get to one answer, sometimes there's multiple paths, but you still end up with one answer. But when it's something like right and wrong, I, I don't, I can't see it as being eternal, an, an eternal solution, an eternal path, a, a immutable, unchanging. You know this reasoning is. And here's the other thing too, when I start looking back on the book Deviate and the way that our brain works, we are changed by our ecology. We are changed by where we spend time, who we spend time with. Our brain changes as we grow and then as we age. So all of that is affecting our reasoning. How can we at any point say that... Our reasoning of what is right and wrong in this moment is eternal and unchanging, immutable. I, I cannot see that. I can see that in some instances, some cases, this works, but not always. Even if we change the word reasoning to logic, I think that there is good logic and bad logic but that doesn't mean we all don't think we're being logical, do you know what i mean? so i i think man humankind is fallible. i think it's it's difficult to say that any one person's determination of what is right and wrong is correct. i think i think as people change, as time passes, right and wrong are bound to flow in some way. i think I think both cases are in some ways correct. It's a bit of the Sophist view and a bit of Socrates' view. It just depends on what it is we're looking at. Okay, so then the philosopher in Sophie's world started talking about Aristotle. And I, I needed to do a bit more reading because... I wanted to know what his perspective was on right and wrong, and the book really didn't get into that, so what I found was rather interesting to me. He felt that there were these two different branches, and he dubbed them politics and ethics, and politics was in his mind all about right and wrong with respect to you know laws that applied to. Society functioning within a society, which I thought was interesting because that's where I had gone with that. And the other was ethics. And from his perspective, and again, this was really interesting to me as well. He saw there there was a purpose for everything. It was just, and he sort of flips things on its head when he looks for purpose. But when he did this, He sees that there, or he made an emphasis for an importance of developing excellence of character, and it plays a role in determining right and wrong. He saw ethics as the purpose of becoming good, not merely to know it, but so that we seek to become better and good. And the reason being is so that we can have happiness. He believed that there are logical and natural reasons for humans to become virtuous. I just thought that was that was really interesting to me. I know I keep saying that, but there's this drive in me to continue to grow and to become better, and I, I can't even explain why that is. I think a lot of us have that drive, but why, right? are we what are we looking for and he seems to think it's to become happy and there is something to that I think because when I become a better person I feel happier I feel more empowered I feel I feel like a better version of myself and I like who that person is so it does make me happy Me to my next questions, because he he again emphasizes human reasoning being almost like the first or the opening of the door to this path of of happiness, you know, becoming more virtuous. And if if we as a society are struggling with our human reasoning, our logic, our critical thinking, is that maybe why we aren't as happy as we could be? I wonder if other countries who are known to be happier, I wonder what, I wonder what they're like when it comes to these skills. Like, where, where are they at with these skills? It made me start to think about the people you see that are truly, truly happy. They don't have a lot of money. Sometimes they don't even have their health, but they have the biggest grins on their faces and it's like they're shining as bright as a lighthouse with how happy they are. And and it comes from within. It comes with how they've thought about things in life, how they approach life, and that's all with changing the way they think. Okay, I had like the stupidest, biggest grin on my face throughout that. If you've been listening for any period of time you may know, I am a huge fan of string instruments. They loved what they were doing. They're called Sorry in Advance Violin Duo and they can be found on Facebook. Because we are not victims of those thoughts. We are not victims of even how we feel because like our, our thoughts affect how we feel. So we can change all of that. The cacophony of Vegas is not my thing and it can drag me down. The more I am surrounded by it, the more it you know it infuses my brain, continues to come into my ears. But if I if I try to envelop myself in a different kind of sound, if I try to take myself somewhere else, you know, these things changing the way I think can change the way I feel. And it just takes some different kind of reasoning, not necessarily it, Maybe it is a kind of logic. Is it good logic? Is it bad logic? I don't know. Does it really matter? <laughs> it's uh I don't know. And that is a real taste of Fremont. But going back to the topic of right and wrong, I think there is for some of us an importance of knowing why we do right and wrong, how we determine what is right and wrong, maybe not for all. But for some of us. And then it's what we do with that, why we do right things, why we do wrong things. And I think understanding Aristotle's perspective is helpful in some ways, because I know that I enjoy improving myself. I just have not known necessarily, I haven't given words to why. I haven't given a description to why. And I like his perspective. I like that he challenged some of Socrates and Plato's views and came up with his own. And I like how he categorized things in the world. And, and I need to do more reading about him. But uh, yeah, that right and wrong, I, I think there's more that I want to contemplate on it I just don't know which direction it's going to take at this time. But for now, I am going to go enjoy a bit of the quieter, (laughs) quieter environment that I'm enjoying at the moment. Until next time. Thanks for listening.
1: I think it's true that ideas about right and wrong have evolved over time, clearly. And I think that now, these ideas uh, and moral notions are accelerating. The change is accelerating uh, because it's very easy to connect and um, communicate and tribe up around a group of ideas. And that could be for better or worse, because some of the, some of the ideas that people rally around are good ideas. Some of them are just popular, but we haven't really but the pace doesn't allow for really careful consideration of what the real consequences might be. It's useful to revisit and think about some of the ideas that seem to have stood the test of time, ancient notions of ethics that have kind of been a part of civilization through through the ages, but hard to do. It's hard to do um, just because the pace of it is a mismatch for the way that we live our lives. And it's also less likely to happen because I think in general people have um, a lot of people are less likely to um, acknowledge the value of historical ideas, more likely to criticize the, the problematic aspects of it. All of the things that we recognize today by today's standards as being objectionable, the racism, the sexism, all of the the challenges within the ideas themselves. Um, we can criticize them for that, rightly so, but then sometimes the next step is taken to just dismiss all of it because of that. So that barrier to looking to the past is is really thick, especially in academics. So I think of a, sort of a postmodern concept of right and wrong is Um, prisoner to the moment almost by default and by, by the necessity of like the reality of the way that we live, everything conspires to imprison us in the current moment. And in that we only have our own sort of experience as a guide. What is the quality of our experience in this moment? And, you know am I happy? Is this making me happy you know um and if if that is the case, then you know it's that whole notion- that whole notion of conflating the right and the good is is really tricky, but that's enough i'm I'm done I'm done
0: <laughs> such good stuff here, Jared. I seem to travel off into this theoretical space, and you ground me again, and I really appreciate it. When we look at some of these concepts, and and even looking back in history, we're seeing a lot of that, where people are judging past artists or past philosophers, like you said, uh, based on today's perspectives, today's morals. And I think that we are definitely missing out on a lot, because we we fine-tune our morality or our right and wrongs based on looking at the past. And you can't look at where they were by taking something out of context, because they had a fine-tuned perspective based on where they were in time, you know, and what had happened before that. And it's not just the culture of the time, it's like that individual and what they experienced as well. And we don't, we don't know all that happened in that person's life. I mean, we know some of what history will tell us, but sometimes history books get it wrong and sometimes there's more to the story as well. So that's always interesting to me. When it comes to pace, Something else that I thought was really interesting there, too, that you you highlighted. Um, Pace is definitely picking up so quickly, and there's this focus on instant gratification, immediacy, and we go to Google to get our answers, and we want everything now. There's no time spent on thinking about things, reflecting on things, and because we want our answers now, and I think like you, there's only going to be this continued pace of, like, picking up of pace. It's only going to get worse, which I think, <clears throat> excuse me, is only going to worsen, like, if we fine-tune our morality based on the past, right, then, then how is that going to shape our future, Because if we aren't taking time to reflect, to pull out the things we don't appreciate, don't like in our morality, our right and wrong, if we're not taking those things out, we're not keeping the things we do like, then we're only going with the here and now. What, for easiest sake, you mentioned what makes me happy now, right? We don't talk about what could make me happy, what will make me happy, it's what makes me happy now. And if that's the focus, the immediacy, then it's almost really about the popular answer, right? So it's the, the Google's answer for right and wrong, or the popular answer of the crowd. And then there's no how does fine tuning continue to happen? I don't know that it does and and it's almost like right and wrong are going to take on new definitions. Are they really going to be ethical or what are they going to become? so if our the future of right and wrong is in question and, and how it's going to develop and where it's going to go, I think also the question of our reasoning is in question because we have so many tools now to do things for us. We have reference material. AIs are becoming more advanced. You know, when are we going to continue to develop our own critical analysis? You know, when are we going to rely back on that or further develop those tools, those skills? Because if Aristotle is right, and that is the basis or a core basis for being happy, then we are in trouble, you know? Especially if we are on this path of technology increasing, you know, the fast pace of things moving, there's no room for it. So if we don't take purposeful steps To reincorporate into our education, into, like, every part of our lives. Where are we headed? Like, what's, what's, what's going to happen? It takes time and effort. Simply, people don't want to take. Jared, thank you for your calls. Because each time I've listened back to them, they've made me think about something different. And I really, really appreciated that. So thank you.